It's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live on Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Sponsored by Taylor Made and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now, here's your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Members, friends, and players, good afternoon and welcome to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun. And I'll be here enlightening you on this Friday afternoon. Thank you for tuning into Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Hey, feeling good, like I should. When in Durga, walk around the neighborhood. Feeling blessed. So many of us are back on the course these days. In fact, based upon the national increase in rounds, I think everybody is. And I love it. The man on the mic here couldn't be happier. But with so much interest in the game, are we doing our very best to sustain golf's popularity? That question and so much more on the whiteboard for today. As for now, a little groove to get us started. Turn it up, Wade. Everyone falls down sometimes, but you just gotta know it'll all be fine. It's okay. Uh-huh. It's okay. Well, the world has changed in many ways over the past four months. Now that it is summertime, junior golfers are descending upon the golf course all over the country. With all the challenges PGA professionals face for running player development programs nationwide, I thought it was the perfect time to bring the amazing minds at Operation 36 back on Springdale Golf Live. Matt Regan and Ryan Daly, so happy you guys could join us on this hot and hazy Friday afternoon. Speaking of hot, how are things in North Carolina today? Let's start with you, Ryan. Oh, it's beautiful. It's 95 degrees. Humidity is at least 95. So you walk outside and you're soaking wet. So, yes, it's uh, great down here in North Carolina. <laughs> well, with, with all that optimism, Matt, what do you think about the weather down there today? How are you guys doing in North Carolina? We're doing great. Uh, I'm looking at some storm clouds outside. It kind of feels like Florida. Uh, but other than that, it's been, it's been really good here in North Carolina. All right. Well, you know, I wish you both the best. And, you know, one of the reasons you guys are here, and I love talking about Operation 36, and we use it here at the club. It's the methodology behind how we teach people to become golfers here at Springdale. For my listeners who may not know the complete background of where Operation 36 and your player development program came from, Ryan, would you take a quick moment and talk about what happened 10 years ago and give me the Reader's Digest version for them? Sure, absolutely. So Matt and I got together in 2010. I think we're in our 11th year together working on this, just trying to crack the code. I think we're pretty close to cracking the code. Well, we we think that every year. Um, so, but when we first started, we uh, we got together and started a program at our golf course here in North Carolina that didn't have any activity or any junior golfers for the most part out there. And using the TPI model, long-term athlete development, we had weekly classes that students would come to. We had some success. We had you know, in the first couple of years, we got up to 80 students coming at least once a week for eight months out of the year. So that was successful. And all of a sudden we lost, you know, I think our third year, we lost 40 of our players, like 40 of them just stopped coming. And we called the parents, grandparents, just wanted to figure out why they all stopped participating in golf. And it came back that they were frustrated that they were paying us as coaches and their children and grandchildren were not actually learning the game of golf, how to play the game of golf, and they weren't actually turning into golfers. So they would take them on the course, and the students wouldn't know how to mark a ball. They wouldn't know how to actually play the game. And all the things that we were doing on the driving range to have fun, like throwing a football, kicking a soccer ball, just playing these outlandish games and drills, didn't really translate into actually creating golfers. So we had to go back and say, you know what, should we give up at this point? 
or should we continue to try to crack the code and figure out how do you get non-golfers and turn them into actual golfers? And that's where we had to come up with a playing component where you start close to the hole, try to shoot 36 for nine holes and then move back. And that's where we are kind of today with Operation 36 is it's a development model centered around starting 25 yards away from the green, trying to play nine holes and shoot 36 or better. Most don't do it the first time, which is perfectly fine. Shoot a 45 or 48, and then you want to get one stroke better the next time. And then after you beat 36 from 25, you move back to 50, and you continue this all the way through our 10 divisions to the back of the tee box. And the interesting thing is once we finally cracked somewhat of the code to help somebody actually turn into a golfer, um, other coaches around the country and then around the world started asking for help. And that's kind of where we are today with over 500 courses in eight different countries running Operation 36. And that's what Matt and I spend our days doing. We wake up and go to bed trying to figure out how do we help these coaches and how do we help these players around the world fall in love with the game of golf and more importantly, falling in love with playing the game of golf. Because as you know, I mean, you, you run a facility. Rounds of golf is how we stay in business. Rounds of golf is how we... Uh, get finances into the food and bev and everything operates. And then ironically, playing the game of golf is why people fall in love with it. It's not just hitting three footers over and over again, on the putting green or hitting drivers on the driving range. Most of us, at least Matt and I fell in love with playing the game of golf. So that's kind of a quick brief history. Well, it was an amazing evolution that you went through there and, and kind of in the first third of your response where you talk about how you lost the 40 participants. And then you said, well, you know why? Because they weren't playing golf. So you guys have learned and evolved every step of the way. So I, I just want to kind of look at the recent history. Matt, I'll ask you this question. What have you guys learned in 19 that you were going to put into practice in 20, assuming 20 was going to be uh, quote unquote normal? The more we have grown, the more diverse facilities we get to, right? And the more different setups and different seasons and different types of coaches and different experience levels. So you know, what, it, what was exciting us was kind of the transition to uh, making sure that we were adapting to fit into the mold of golf facilities. Like our core belief is that, you know, in three years from now, no one will be introduced to the game and playing the game uh, from the tee box to the green. Right. And, and we believe every course should have a very common solution to the answer of like, how do you, uh, how does your team introduce people to the game of golf? And it shouldn't be five lessons and sit on it, you know, and then go try to play. You know, we all need a development model to lean on, and that's where we're trying to figure out how can we help every golf facility put in a model and then programming on top of that model that absolutely benefits everybody. And so this year, I think probably one of the most exciting things was, you know, we started to realize late last year that, you know, there's a lot of folks that already run that, you know, maybe didn't sign up. They already run clinics. They don't want to change how they're doing their coaching, and they run it weekly, and they have these opportunities, but they might not have that playing opportunity. They don't have a development model that it's all built on. So we started looking at, um, it, you know, we, we kind of kicked it down the road when COVID and everything hit, but we were starting to go, you know, could we, could we launch development league locations, not just coaching programs, but is there an opportunity to potentially do that? And so that's something that we're, you know, finally getting to work on again and figure out if we can bring to life. But that was one of the big ones is to go, you know, can we help these uh, facilities leverage Operation 36, leverage the technology to get that in the hands of a, a player to see their improvement and track their improvement over time and see development um, and then tie it into what they already have for a coaching program if they didn't want to use like our six level curriculum and all the gamified stuff that we have. And uh, we're getting close there. So I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. It got kicked down the road quite a bit with COVID and we've had to do a lot 
Um, and I would say it feels like we put three years worth of work into the last six months. That's for sure on how we've adapted. But um, yeah, if that if that helps uh, give you an idea. Yeah, it gives me a perfect idea. And I, I love the where the way you went about that and how to describe the different challenges that you guys are facing. And one of the cool things, and you know what, folks, one of the cool things are, if you're just joining us, we're talking to two expert PGA professionals, and they are Ryan Daly and Matt Regan, and they are the creative inspiration behind a model golfer development program called Operation 36. They're down in the North Carolina area, but as they said already, they're all over the world. I'm looking through the website, and I love all the things that you guys do and how you describe basically the foundation of how you came up with all of this. And you do all the right things. It's almost like one of you guys was related to like Walt Disney or somebody like that, right? <laughs> because you really touch upon all of the smart areas. And one of them is, is that you talk about your three core values. And your three core values of Operation 36 are to care selflessly, to laugh a lot, and embrace challenges. None has been more relevant than number three, which is embrace challenges. Okay, there's been a bunch of challenges come here in 2020 to the entire golf industry, to the entire world. How has your team come together? And what positive surprises did you both encounter during this pandemic pause? Talk to me about that transition. I think the, the one takeaway I've got, maybe Matt's might be a little bit different, Keith, is like when the pandi- pandemic hit, all these coaches started reaching out to us asking for help which kind of made me look in the mirror and go, holy smokes, I didn't realize the position that we're in where these coaches' livelihood depended on their programming and they were reaching out to us for answers to their problems. And it was a quick like moment for us as a company to go, hey, this is an opportunity for us to be you know, guides, mentors, and leaders for these coaches. And we quickly scrambled and put together a COVID-19, uh, four different programming options for the coaches depending on what situation they were in. Because some coaches were in situations where they couldn't do any type of coaching and they couldn't go out to the course. So we had to create an Op36 remote coaching program where somebody could do it through Zoom. And that was an interesting challenge. I've never taught a lesson through Zoom before. Matt hadn't either. So we had to kind of problem solve that, come up with lesson plans for coaches. And we had coaches across the country, you know, teach Zoom Op36 classes through COVID, which was pretty interesting. And it helped them to not only serve their families because the families wanted something to do because all the kids were at home and they got pulled out of school, but it also allowed them to keep some revenue um, and keep somewhat of a, a normal normal way of life for them. Some of them had situations where they could use the golf course, but they based on their mandates by their governor, they couldn't do any coaching. So they couldn't do any small group or private coaching. So then we had to come up with the development league, which Matt was touching on. And that really is starting to solve some problems for coaches that maybe already have really good coaching programs now, and they just want to add the development league. And fortunately, because of COVID, we had to pivot and create that. And then in other cases, some governors wouldn't allow group coaching. So we had to come up with a private coaching program using Op36 and the development league. So that's a situation where a coach could go out one-on-one and coach, and then also run their nine-hole events. And then the final one was just you know, how do you coach normally with COVID-19 and all of those challenges of, you know, social distancing, wearing masks? How do you make sure that in a basic private lesson that all of us are used to doing? And I'm not I'm sure you're the same way, Keith. Sometimes you just grab the person's club and you go, hey, just watch me. Watch me. Show me. I'll show you exactly how to do it. And now you can't do that. So it was interesting, I think, for me. Uh, and I don't know. Matt's answer might be a little bit different. But when March hit, everybody started sending notes to us and going, Hey, Ryan and Matt, can you help me? I don't have any income coming in. I don't know what to do. 
can you help me? And we had to scramble and be like, holy smokes, we, we do have a huge opportunity here to help other people. And fortunately, we, as Matt said, crammed six months of work into, you know, a quick three month period and got some stuff done for coaches, which was cool. Right. So Matt, I'm going to, I'm going to turn it to you. I'm going to say now that we don't coach normally anymore and the governors, let's, I'm just going to use New Jersey as an example. The governor came out, Oh, about five, six, seven weeks ago. And he said, Hey, you could start summer camps, which we didn't even know if that would happen, Um, but you could start them in like three weeks and, and good luck. You know, basically there weren't a lot of parameters there other than, you know, to try to defer liability and just say, Hey, go, go coach normally. But what is the new normal? What are some of the things, Matt, that, uh, the coaches can look out for or situations. Ryan touched on a little bit. You can't just go grab clubs. Um, how are we working with junior golfers now or adults and player development programs differently? I think there's massive opportunity for golf right now. We keep looking at the market and going, well, how is it changing? How, what are things are happening? I mean, I think one thing that folks need to be aware of is they need to be looking at their school schedules right now. Like we're coming in and they're planning in North Carolina. The kids are going to be out for two weeks and then in school for a week. What kind of opportunity does that present? For a daily, you know, we're talking summer camps in November and December type stuff, you know, and and so if you keep an eye on your market, there's going to be a massive need, and that's that's one thing that we did find with golf being, you know, as we saw, we we're very fortunate that we're in golf, and we were pretty much the perfect COVID <laughs> success success sport because we, you know, we didn't have to alter much. Um, so people, there's this massive influx of folks that are getting ready to play and wanting to learn to play. And so now, you know, when you say, well, what changes do you need to make? I, I would say if you're, if you're not planning right now to be running programs and be thinking, you know, we obviously we, I think, you know, for the last six months, we're probably all tired of hearing about all the social distance stuff that we have to adapt to and, and change to like, people are going to have hand sanitizers out there. They're going to, you know, they potentially we're all wearing masks based on, you know, your, your location and what the government is recommending um, I think the PGA came out with some great guidelines with the back to golf and the, all the governing bodies there. And, um, but outside of that, I, I almost would recommend that folks start looking at this and getting very serious about, we have like probably the biggest opportunity to me in golf right now because of just the way like organized sports might not be getting back together and the way that schools are going to be run differently is this massive opportunity where we've always had to wait till after school. And maybe it's not that anymore. And um, they're not going to be sending them to inside gymnastics gyms, I don't think. You know, I don't think they're going to be sending them inside karate schools. They're going to be sending them to outdoors. And they're not going to be, you know, we, we have this. Uh, if you over communicate right now, you are in a great spot, I think. Like that, I guess that would be my, my best view. And we, you know, that, that would be kind of my biggest feedback I would think on is that's what we're trying to look at and communicate and come up with ideas for everybody moving forward into the fall. Like, it's, it could be absolute gangbusters. So I would say we all have to get ready for the influx. And if you're still just running traditional golf programs, man, you've got to make a switch to developmental golf programs because you're going to get this influx of people. And with the developmental program, you can keep them. You know, with a traditional program, when things get back to normal and maybe they can get back to gymnastics, if you didn't lock them in with a long-term plan and, a, and, and everybody's on the same page, you're going to lose them for the, to the other sport because they just play games in a clinic over and over again. So I think... This is, you know, this is massive and we believe so wholeheartedly that traditional golf programs need to get the upgrade to developmental. That's number one. And then number two, we need to be getting our programs in place for a strong fall program with COVID safety guidelines based on where you're at. Um, And since we already kind of have that framework laid out of, 
hey, if, if we go back to where you can only you can't coach anymore, now you have a development league. Okay, you can't do anything at the course. Now you have a remote program. But the main thing I would say that we learned through COVID is how important it is to over communicate because when everything started happening, it was just, you know, you have families who are like, hey, we can't run class this week. That interim, that was probably the most, it was kind of like a 9-11 moment for us, right? Like so many things ch- changed so fast. I just remember all of it. You know, we, we created that golf at home program because some people are running programs and we're getting questions. Do we continue to charge for this? And then we, you know, Ryan's daughter's in gymnastics and they do continue to charge, but they didn't communicate at all. Um, our daycare, right, kept charging, but my daughter's not going to daycare and no communication. And what a tarnish on me, you know what I mean? A tarn- and, you, and we see it for all these areas and we just kept telling coaches, over-communicate, give them this golf at home program for a four-week bridge so we can figure out where we're going to land and then go from here. And we're going to have to, you're going to have to continuously cycle, you know, you have to cycle and do that. You have to prepare to run group programming, but guess what? If things happen and we get another influx and shutdowns, you might be running a private program and you need to know how you're going to adapt. And as long as you have the strategy in place, you can over communicate and families know, hey, if this happens, we're going to move to this. And then if this happens, we're going to move to this. If this happens, we're going to move to this. And then everyone's on the same page now. They've seen the blueprint of what's going to happen and we've tackled COVID, right? And no other sport's doing that. And that's what I'm excited about. We just have so many more opportunities in golf. Well, there's, I mean, I can certainly hear your passion coming through and the number one compliment, I mean, your point, uh, it it can't be uh, reiterated enough about the communication. The number one compliment we get at the club as a staff is how much communication is coming from the board and what's coming from management to the membership to let them know where everything stands. Because I mean, who's experienced something like this ever that basically changes every day, every three days. It's it's just amazing how many pivot points we've ha- we've all had since March. And, and you guys run your own business, so I mean, you have really lived this. And you know, I, I'm sure you're nodding at me through the airwaves here, but um, you know, I get it. And you open Pandora's box there, and we're going to get into that in a minute more because I want to talk about the long term sustainability of this immediate interest to the game of golf that has been created because by its nature, golf is is social distancing. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge promoter of the fact that we have this really, really uh, cool audience of, you know, kind of periphery people that had some interest in golf. You know, that like 12 million you guys always talk about. They're like, they're out there. But we, we have their immediate attention right now. And I got to go to break, but we're going to go right back to this. So be thinking about this for a couple minutes. Can you hold on for me? Absolutely. Folks, it's 3.19 p.m. here in Philadelphia. Thanks for listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Be back in a moment with more from the Pioneer Player Development Guys from Operation 36. Feeling good, like I should. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the NJPA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming under the guidance of PGA professionals, so individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. To support the NJGF or learn more about programs and special Special events, visit njgolffoundation.org. That's njgolffoundation.org. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues on Fox Sports 920, the Jersey. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the director of fun. You're listening to Fox Sports 920, the Jersey. Oh, I see where you're going here. 
So, a um, little background. During the break, we were discussing amongst all of us the Operation 36 goal of 1 million new golfers by 2025. And, uh, Wade, so you decided to play this song. It's very funny. Well, you know what? Why don't you just spin it back to the beginning and let's have some fun. Give me a nod. You good with this? All right. Here we go. Oh, if I had a million golfers, if I had a million golfers, I'd build a big clubhouse like the size of Tiger's house. If I had a million golfers, if I had a million golfers, I'd buy a driving range like a Top Golf or a Drive Shack. Yeah, that'd be neat. All right, enough of that. Let's get going. Our threesome today is ready to take on the back nine this afternoon. We have two of golf's most productive and positive pioneers growing the game at record rates. Matt Regan and Ryan Daly are the creators behind Operation 36, a player development program used by PGA professionals and coaches worldwide. Guys, we have seen an epic surge in play this season. We talked about it just before the break. How can we sustain all of this immediate interest in golf? Ryan, go. Yeah, I think Matt touched on it a little earlier, and I'll just kind of uh, reemphasize it. You know, what do you have at your facility to accept this momentum would be a great question to ask yourself. And if you have a traditional program that might be five lessons or it might be just summer camp, like a one-time hit, you're not going to be able to take advantage of this momentum. If you have a true development program where somebody comes in at step one and you've got a path for them to get to step 10 and they know that it's not just a, a quick hit and they understand that it's a true development program, which might be five, six, seven years, depending on when somebody jumps in, you can take advantage of this momentum. And I will share with you that our course here in North Carolina that we run and a large percentage of the courses that currently are running Operation 36 are getting inundated with uh, players, especially junior golfers. And the reason why is because everything's canceled. And it will be really interesting to look 10 years from now and see how good our baseball players are how good our soccer players are in 10 years, how good are other sports that are being canceled because you don't think about that, but my son is not interested in baseball anymore. You ask him a year ago, he wanted to be the next, you know, Derek Jeter. But I asked him last night, I said, Hey dude, do you even want to play baseball? He's like, no, I just want to do golf right now. So that's interesting. So he's lost a whole year of development in baseball and he's probably not going to play it again until it opens up, which might be next year. And he might say no. So there's one kid that's never going to play baseball again. So how good is our baseball team going to be, soccer team? I, I just think that's an interesting perspective to take on this. But golf is going to get an inundation of people. And all the research says the bigger the pool that you can get, the more apt at the bottom of the funnel you're going to have better players. So I would just go back to the first thing that Matt said earlier and the first thing I said at the beginning of this question is when people come to your doorstep at your facility, do you have a way to accept them into a long-term development program? If not, and it's just a five-lesson thing or it's a summer camp, you're not going to take advantage of it. And unfortunately, this is an awesome opportunity for us. I tell you, you know, this is why I call you guys up. 
because I am looking <laughs> for the goods. I mean, this is the, really the good stuff. I never thought about it that way that let's say 20 years from now, we're going to be undefeated in the Ryder cup for like a decade, <laughs> right? Because, because of all of this. No, I mean, that's a really, really good point. And, and folks, if you're just joining us, we have two great guys with us today, PGA professionals, Ryan Daly and Matt Regan. And they are the guys, the genius behind operation 36. It's a player development program that teaches people to play golf, not just a couple lessons and figure it out on your own, um, how to how to actually play the game and become golfers. And, I, and I've been saying that for years. I said, we need to create more golfers, not just more ball hitters or uh, mini golf pros. And, and you guys are actually doing that. And so, Ryan, you touched upon a phrase there, which was a true development program. Matt Regan, yep. what is a true development program? I think it starts with like if, if the question a club can ask themselves is like, can I clearly articulate where a person is in their journey when they show up to a club? And, you know, the nice thing with Op 36 is after they played their first round on the golf course. Now, I, you know, usually the biggest gray area is the introductory round to like a 30 handicap. And what people aren't talking about is how big that gap is. So that's that would be number one is are they playing golf and can you clearly articulate or know or show them where they're at and give them a plan. And then number two is, is this happening? Do you have consistent coaching? You know, even if you're just running clinics once a week, that's a great step, right? For us, we run weekly coaching program, but we have like uh, six level education too to make it fun. You know, it's, it's six levels of badges that they earn to show that they're learning golf as well. And it's ongoing. So there's a long-term plan for education. There's a long-term plan for playing golf. And then the third part is, can you track progress? I mean, are, are, how do they know where they're at? Do you have to tell them or do they know when they leave? Is there a product supporting that? Because if we don't have that, the biggest gap, that gap from first round to 30 handicap breaking a hundred is where we lose golfers. And if they don't clearly know the plan there, they don't know what's going on. That's, that would be my, those three things. Are you playing golf? Are you, do you have a long-term, can I do coaching every week if I need to in a group setting or private lessons? And do I have a way to track my development? That's a great summation there. And, you know, it makes me think about a lot of different things that you guys do and you do so well. You embrace technology. You have a consistency in the pattern with which that you interact with your golfers. And there, there's this constant evolution that we started with with the first question was, what did you learn from 2019 that you're incorporating in 2020? You know, as someone's listening to the show this afternoon on Friday afternoon, they're, they're kind of like, well, you know, I, I, I hope that my club is doing things like this. And I know there's you, you guys have a good, pretty good immersion in New Jersey. I think there's like 15 different clubs that do it. We do it here at Springdale. We have a lot of success with it. So, folks, if you if you're interested in learning more about this program, you could certainly go online. Well, there's one thing that my audience is into, and that is a little rapid fire Q&A. Now, <laughs> I know that your player development programs are for adults and kids, but we were concentrating a little bit on it because it's summertime, junior golf programs. So we're going to do a little junior golf edition of rapid fire Q&A. Ryan, Matt, are you up for this? Absolutely. Can't wait. All right, here we go. We will start with Matt. Matt, favorite video game all time? Uh, Halo. I stopped playing video games at Halo, if that dates me. The first. Ryan? Uh, that'd be Tech Mobile. And you'd be the Raiders with Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. Tech Mobile. That's a good one. All right. Uh, Ryan, right back at you. Golfer you like the most first? Uh, Tom Watson. Good one. Matt? Mine was Tiger. I started golf late, and Tiger was the guy. Favorite kind of candy, Matt? Uh, my favorite one is Sour Patch Watermelons. Ryan? 
Uh, Swedish fish or sour patch kids. It just depends on the, the week. Swedish fish for me, for sure. All right. What's one thing you're afraid of, Ryan? Hitting a golf ball to the right. Yeah, I've just been scarred my career hitting the ball to the right. So I, every time I hit on the tee box, I always try to not hit it right. <laughs> Matt, one thing you're afraid of? I don't like clowns or dolls. Here's a good one. Would you rather be a video game professional or a TikTok celebrity? Matt. <laughs> video game professional. Ryan. Yeah, video game. I can't dance. <laughs> if you could be a character in any cartoon, what would it be, Ryan? Uh, probably Garfield. I like Italian food. Matt? Uh, just because we've, uh, we've, we've watched it so much here. The only one that comes to mind right now is Elsa. From and I, I, I'm not saying that that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm gonna jump in Frozen. I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. One more. Here we go for the torture. Here, when you hear the words Trailblazer, who is the first person that comes to mind? Ryan. Oh, Clyde Drexler. Matthew. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with two here. I drive an 04 Trailblazer, um, so that's the first thing that pops into the head is the old Trailblazer with 300,000 miles. And then uh, number two is I've been watching The Last Dance, so Michael Jordan. Guys, hey, when the when I hear the words trailblazer, pioneer, I think of you guys. I can't thank you enough for being on Springdale Golf Live today and inspiring my listeners, my coaches, my families, and my junior golfers. It, COVID may have slowed us down. It may have been a pandemic pause, but I know you guys personally are making the comeback better than the setback. Thank you. Thanks for having us on, Keith. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, Wade, I see it. All right, we'll go quick. To my sponsors, thank you so much. TaylorMade Golf, New Jersey Golf Foundation, Summit Golf Brands, FH Wadsworth. Thank you enough on the board there, Wade Weezer, Springdale Board of Governors, True Golf Management. Most importantly, I love my listeners. I'm heading to Springdale. Where are you headed? Tower be your guide. From New York to North Carolina. Of course, everywhere online. May you all have a Springdale day. This has been Springdale Golf Live with Keith Stewart. Keith returns to the team next Friday afternoon at 3 on Fox Sports 920 The Jersey.